see everybody this morning. If you are new to our church, we especially want to welcome you. Uh, my name is Greg Johnson. I serve here as lead pastor, and we're so blessed that you're here to worship the Lord with us today. You can go ahead and be seated. I want to welcome those who are joining us at Mission Church Online. God bless you as well. It is so good to have you with us today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, as Pastor Chris mentioned and Pastor Keith, we are in our 21 days of hunger. This is such a significant time of year for us as we step into this new year, into this new season. We want to do so by declaring our dependence and our trust in our God for the months to come. Amen? So I hope you're here today participating in the fast or online and uh, you're feeling a little emptiness maybe a little uncomfortable, maybe a little, little hunger going on there where you're, you know, maybe uncomfortable. And, and that's a good thing because as we fast unto the Lord, we're supposed to feel it. Hello? We're supposed to feel it. There's supposed to be a sense of loss, a sense of sacrifice that we offer up to the Lord. And I, I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about fasting and the significance of that, specifically how fasting is a weapon of our spiritual warfare, how fasting is a weapon of our warfare. And um, I want to begin today by just, by just returning, reviewing a little bit from last, from last week. Uh, as you know, we had some really bad weather last Sunday, so we were unable to meet in person. We did have uh, uh, a broadcast online, which I, I hope you were able to participate in that um, but if not, we were in the book of Ezra, chapter 8, and I just want to begin this morning by reading that text again, and then we're going to move into some other new thoughts this morning. But in Ezra, chapter 8, this is what we looked at last week, verse 21, where Ezra said, I proclaimed a fast at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions to help us against the enemy on the road. How many know there's an enemy on the road? So, verse 23 says, we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Amen. So Ezra and the people traveling with him, they wanted the blessing of God. They wanted the favor of God, the protection of God, as they stepped into a new season. They were about to cross a river, which means they were going from one across a boundary from an, a familiar place into a new place on a journey into a new territory, and they said to God, before we go into this new territory, we want to acknowledge our dependence on you and our need for your blessing and our trust in you that you will go before us. And this is what 21 days of hunger is really all about. As we come to the boundary of 2021, and as we step over that boundary, we cross that river, so to speak, and we enter into this new territory of 2022, we do so 
by humbling ourselves before God and by acknowledging our need for God in this year and our faith that He hears our prayers and that He goes before us. And that's what prayer and fasting is all about. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, I can, I can do that without fasting. I can pray and ask God to do those things in my life without having to fast. But let me clarify, let me just really drill down and emphasize something here. They fasted, Ezra and the people fasted because they understood the terrain ahead of them. They understood the dangers and the reality of the dangers that they could encounter in the journey ahead on the road. They understood that there would be warfare. Can you say warfare? They expected it. They were carrying silver. They were carrying gold. They had their families with them, their children with them. And they knew that the enemies on the road ahead would attack them. They anticipated that. They knew that attacks were coming and that the enemy would try to steal away their blessings. And so, because they understood the severity of the warfare that lied ahead, they fasted unto God. They, they put an intensity upon their prayer and they asked God, they entreated God to clear the way before them, so that no weapon formed against them would prosper. Amen. How many know that weapons will be formed against us? The Scripture doesn't say that there won't be weapons. In fact, the Scripture says there will be weapons. Amen? And as we look at 2022, we don't do so naively. We don't do so without a depth of understanding, we know that in this year ahead, weapons perhaps have already been formed against us. They're waiting for us on the journey. But by fasting and praying, just as Ezra did, we're saying to God, Lord, go before us and clear the way that those weapons that have been formed will not prosper. Amen? I really want to press in on this. I really want to drill down on this and, and let us know that this is not just, you know, some little tradition that we have in the church, that there is a seriousness here, that there, there are attacks that will come against our families, our marriages, our little ones, our children, our grandchildren, against our finances, our careers, the blessings of God upon us, and I want us to grasp the severity of what lies ahead in 2022. And that right now, what we do right now is going to largely determine the outcome of the warfare that lies ahead. That's what Ezra understood. It's what we call spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talked about the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Fasting is a weapon of our warfare. In fact, when it comes to spiritual warfare, fasting is the warfare part. Fasting is the warfare part of our spiritual. How many get that? Right? And I dare say that, that if we're not fasting, I wonder if we're really fighting. I wonder if we really have fight in our spiritual warfare. Because it's the fasting that brings the intensity to the battle. Now what do we mean by 
spiritual warfare. That might be a new, a new concept to you. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, Paul said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Everybody say spiritual warfare. Now Paul is not saying that, that you won't have people coming against you. He certainly did, and so will we. What he's saying is that the real war is spiritual. That the real battle has to do with unseen forces that are at work behind the physical forces that we see. That the real enemies are spirit beings that are using the people and the, and, the, and the institutions of this world, that there are unseen forces controlling them, manipulating them, and driving them. That's what the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places, that's what they actually are. And this is what Paul was talking about, that there are forces of the devil that operate in this realm, that are from a spiritual realm, that are organized into spiritual combat units, that are active in this world, influencing people and aligning against those of us who are trying to do the will of God. Are you getting this today? Let me show you something from the book of Daniel. Go to the book of Daniel. I hope you brought your Bible today. you got to bring your Bible to church. Amen? Why do you bring your Bible to church? That's right. you got to see the Word for yourself. I know we have it up here on the screen, and that's, that's great, but there's nothing like having a Bible in your hands and reading it from your, for yourself. Daniel, we're going to be looking at Daniel for a few moments here. We're going to be in chapters 9 and 10, and I want to show you some truths, some realities about spiritual warfare. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, says this, In the first year of Darius, who was the king, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, which is basically Babylonia. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting. Everybody say fasting. Sackcloth and ashes. So Daniel was with the Jews who were captives in Babylon. The nation of Judah had been defeated by the Babylonians and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Jews were taken away as captives and taken to Babylon. Daniel was among them. While Daniel was there in Babylon, he had a manuscript of the prophecy of Jeremiah, the same book of Jeremiah that you have in your Bible. How many have ever read the book of Jeremiah? If you haven't read the book of Jeremiah, you need to read the book of Jeremiah. That's what Daniel was reading, okay? He's reading that same, that same book that we have. And as, as he read the prophecy of Jeremiah, 
he saw there in that prophecy, and you'll see it too in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10, that this captivity of the Jews in Babylon would end after 70 years, and after 70 years, God would bring his people back to their homes. So, when, Jeremiah, when, when Daniel read these prophecies of Jeremiah, what did he do? Did he just sit back and passively say, oh, well, if that's God's will to bring his people back after 70 years, then I'm just going to let God do his will. I don't need to pray. I don't need to do anything. No, that's not faith. That's not faith. Faith is not passive. Faith is active. Faith takes hold of the Word of God and the promises of God and asserts the Word of God in the earth, claims the Word of God in the earth, and seeks by faith that His promises and that His Word that He declared in heaven will be manifested in the earth. This is how Jesus taught His disciples to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father, hallowed be Your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus told his disciples, he said, when you understand what the will of God is, don't just sit back silently and passively. He said, no, when you know what the will of God is, pray that God will do his will here in the earth. Why is that? Because this is how the kingdom of God works. God wills something to happen and then he waits. He waits. Waits for what? He waits for those of us on earth who are the viceroys of the kingdom of God through the name of Jesus and who wear the authority of Christ on us. He waits for us to pray, Lord, let your will be done on earth in this realm. He wills and then he waits. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, said God, God does nothing on earth except in answer to believing prayer. Jesus told us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, now get this, God limits some of his activities on earth to responding to the prayers of his people. You getting that? He limits his activities on earth and the accomplishment of his will on earth to responding to the prayers of his people. And unless we pray, he will not act. Heaven may will something to happen, but heaven waits for the initiative of the church who has authority on the earth in Jesus' name to pray that that will will happen on the earth. Are you getting this today? This is why faith is not passive. Faith is active. Now, people will say, well, if it's God's will, God will do it. Have you ever heard that? Well, if it's God's will, you know, he'll just do his will. That's not true. Listen, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 is an example of this because it says there that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, it's God's will for everyone to be saved. But guess what? Not everyone is saved, right? How many understand that? He's not willing that any should perish, right? And a lot of people are not being saved. Why? Because we, 
as the church are not doing our role, our job, our duty here on earth. What is that? To go into all the world and preach the gospel. To share the gospel with lost people around us and to pray for them that they be saved. It's God's will that they be saved, but because we as the church are not initiating what we should be doing here on the earth, God's will doesn't get achieved. Right? God wills, and then he waits for a person, for an intercessor to stand in the gap. Ezekiel 22 talks about how God sought for a man who would stand in the gap and make up intercession for the sins of the people. What does that mean, stand in the gap? It means that there is a gap between the will of God that he's declared in heaven and what's actually happening here on earth. There's a distance between, there's a void there. And we as the church, the intercessors, are to step into that gap, into that void, and we are to say, Lord, let your will that's in heaven, what you've declared in heaven, let it be done here on earth. That's our role as intercessors. We are gap standers. (laughs) We are to move into that gap. You know, you see where, where maybe your, your children, maybe your children are a little older, and you see where they're at and what's going on in their lives, and you know that's not God's will for their life. You know it's not what God wants for them. You know what God's will in heaven is for your kids, and you see that in reality that's not what they're doing. So what do you do as a parent? You step in the gap between them and where God wants them to be, that distance, and you say, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let your will be done on earth in their lives as it is in heaven. God wills, and then he waits. Waits for what? For you and for me. Jesus has given us authority in his name. We are Christ's ambassadors on the earth. We have authority in this realm. Are you getting that? We have authority in this realm to say, Lord, let your will be done. Right? So Daniel knew God's will from Jeremiah. Seventy years, God would bring his people back. But he didn't just sit back passively. In chapter 10, Daniel chapter 10, verse 2, it says that he went into prayer for three weeks, for 21 days, and then, quote, in those three full weeks, everybody say three full weeks, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. Now, we're not going that far in our fast, okay, so you can take a shower, that's okay. Till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now here's, what I, here's something that I want us to see, because we were talking about the enemy on the road and the warfare that Ezra was anticipating. Here's something I want us to see about it. As Daniel was praying and fasting for God's will, verse 5 says this, I lifted up my eyes. Now here he is, fasting and praying. And while he's praying... He says, I lifted up my eyes and beheld a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold. An angel appeared to him. He goes on to describe him. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Verse, go down to verse 12. And then he said to me, this angel said to Daniel, do not fear, Daniel, For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Isn't that awesome? The first day of your fast. Day one. Amen. Day one. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just day one, right? To know that God's already heard it and all of heaven is going into motion. That's what he's saying. On day one, heaven heard your prayer and all heaven went into motion on your behalf. And I have come because of your words. 
Angels were dispatched because of his prayer. Right? I have come. But look at verse 13. But. Everybody say but. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And then it goes on to say, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So an angel comes to Daniel, told him, as soon as you started praying, the answer was released. But as that answer was released, and as heaven went into motion, and as the angels were dispatched, there was resistance. A principality of Persia, a spiritual host of wickedness, like we read in Ephesians 6.12. A spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places came against me and withstood me for 21 days. In other words, the enemy rose up and withstood and tried to block and interrupt the answer of your prayer. As you prayed for God's will to be done, the enemy did not remain silent. That's what he's saying. That the enemy came up and tried to resist the establishment of God's will. Now listen, we need to understand that the enemy, we know, is defeated in Christ. Amen? Has no power before God. But the war is not over. You may remember while, while we were at war in Iraq, Afghanistan, even in Europe and World War II, even though we were the ruling power, the occupying victorious power, the war wasn't over. There was still an insurgency. There was still an enemy that was conspiring and fighting and attacking. And the same principle exists today in spiritual warfare. We have won the war in Christ, amen? We know how the story ends, right? But until Christ returns, an insurgency still exists. And every time we pray, let your will be done, the enemy rises up to resist. Do you ever notice how when you pray for something to happen, it seems to get worse? Do you ever notice that? You pray for your marriage to get better, and your, your wife gets meaner. No, I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to. I, it was just there. And <laughs> you ever pray? <laughs> I saw all the men. They just were like, oh, dear Jesus, help them right now. <laughs> you ever pray for your marriage and your husband just gets less sensitive? Right? I was going to say dumber, but I didn't want to say that because it wouldn't have been spiritual. You pray for your children to come to Christ and they seem to go further away. You pray for a friend or a relative who's struggling with substance abuse and they seem to get deeper into their addiction. You pray for some breakthrough on your job and it just seems that your job gets worse or your boss gets more and angry, angrier and angrier against you. And just whatever you're praying, whatever you, you ever notice that? That sometimes when you pray, it gets worse before it gets better. Amen? Come on, tell somebody, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. It gets worse before it gets better. Why? Because there's an enemy. Because there's warfare. Because there, there's resist. That's what, that's what the angel was saying to Daniel. It's getting worse before it gets better. Because the enemy sees what the will of God is, and he sees how you're praying, and he wants to move against it to keep the will of God from being established. And this is why perseverance in prayer is so important. And this is why we didn't just declare a fast for one day or two days or three days. We declared a fast for 21 days. Because we understand that sometimes warfare takes time. It takes time. 
Daniel chapter 10, verse 2, says that Daniel fasted for three weeks. And then in verse 13, the angel said that that's, it, that was exactly how long it took for Michael, the angel, the archangel, to actually come and help him break through the resistance of the enemy. Now, I admit there's so much that we don't know about spiritual warfare. There's so much that we don't know about what goes on in the heavenly realms. But we know enough from the Word of God to know that we should pray, Lord, let your will be done. And when we do that, the enemy tries to resist it. I don't understand all the dynamics there, but I understand that about spiritual warfare. And I understand this too, that if Daniel had given up, that breakthrough may have never come. In Luke chapter 11 and chapter 18, we see how Jesus put a heavy emphasis on perseverance and persistence in prayer. Because Jesus knew that every prayer, every request, that all of our intercession would be met with resistance from the enemy. And our tendency is to give up. Our tendency is to quit, to move on to something else because we're not getting our answer. And Jesus is saying that if you want breakthrough, it's going to require not just prayer, it's going to require persistent prayer. And not just persistent prayer, it's going to require fasting. Let me take you to another scripture. In, the, in, in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Now I realize that the story of Daniel and the Jews returning from captivity and the prince of Persia and the angels, it may be hard for us to relate to. But spiritual warfare is something that affects every one of us, our lives and our families. In Mark chapter 9, and again in Matthew chapter 17, we have the story of a father who brought his son to Jesus, because a devil was tormenting his son. And he said to Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples, but they could not cast out this devil. They couldn't do it. And so Jesus prayed for that son and cast the devil out. Later, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, they said, why could we not cast this devil out of the son? And Jesus said to them, this kind can come out by, by nothing but prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. This is a word for us today. There are some battles that lie ahead this year. There are some attacks that the enemy has already designed against us. Now don't sit there and say, well, I don't receive that. That's a negative confession. This is not a negative confession. This is your pastor trying to prepare us for warfare. There are weapons that have already been formed against us. And Jesus said that there are certain prayers, certain breakthroughs, certain answers do not come unless there is prayer and fasting. And a lot of those, those battles involve spiritual warfare, unseen forces aligning themselves against us, against our marriages, against our careers, against our blessings, our prosperity, against our children. The enemy has already established weapons, and some of those weapons will not be defeated unless there is prayer and fasting. Some of us parents, we need to understand that our kids are going to get targeted this year. Some of us understand that, our, that children are already under attack. We are looking at a generation being attacked in such a blatant, horrible way that it's, it's hard to even wrap our minds around. We're seeing right now um, 
a spirit of, of, of atheism taking over the younger generation. There, there was a study done by the, the Pew Research Center, and they asked young people what religious affiliation they had. And in their study, one-third of all of the young people said that they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. They, they call them the nuns, the generation of the nuns, not the Catholic nuns, the atheistic nuns, N-O-N-E-S. They call themselves the nuns because they have no faith. And Pew Research Center noted that that was the highest number like that that they have ever seen. We're seeing a spirit of atheism, a blindness taking over the younger generation right now. Is that God's will? Is that God's will? No, that's not God's will. God's will is that there be a revival amongst our young people. God's will be that there, there be a, gener- a remnant raised up from this generation like never before. That's God's will. That we see young people standing boldly for their faith, young adults preaching the gospel in the marketplace, in academia, in the medical field, wherever they are. That's God's will. That's God's will. How many believe that? Amen? And our job now is to say, Father God in heaven, let your will be done on earth. But what we're seeing is that that will is not being done. And I'm wondering why. And I think one reason is because, for a large part, the church today has lost the spirit. They've lo- we've lost our spirit of warfare. We've lost it. We've lost our fight. We've, lost our, we, we've forgotten how to fast, and we've forgotten how to pray. And when someone declares 21 days of fasting and prayer, we're like, Whoa, I don't know, that's not, I, that's not, I can't do that. Why not? Why not? We are in a stage of warfare right now. How many understand that? And you know what's at stake? Our children. And our children's children. And we need to be praying and fasting for 2022 that the Holy Spirit gets a hold of the hearts of our children and our grandchildren like never before. And I'll tell you why. Because there's an enemy waiting on the road ahead. Because there are weapons already formed against them. And they're going to hear about them in the public school classrooms. And they're going to hear about them in their university studies. And they're going to encounter these weapons on the internet and social media, on people that they haven't even yet met, teachers that they, professors they haven't even yet met. And we need to back them up with prayer and fasting and say, no, no, not this year, devil, not on my watch. No, it's not going to happen because I believe that my God is more powerful and that he has a will for my daughter and he has a will for my son. And they're going to stand firm in their faith in the name of Jesus. And for the next 21 days, we're going to pray and fast. Amen? Amen. That's what this is all, this is what it's all about. And if you haven't been able to join us yet, then you know what? you still got two weeks left. Amen? And I, I hope you don't take this as me trying to guilt anyone or condemn any. Listen, if I can't get up and try to prepare us for the battle without somebody saying, you're making me feel guilty, I, we're in bad place. Right? You know, I think we, we need to get some tough skin. We need to toughen up and say, you know what? Sometimes we got to hear it. That there is a battle. Right? Amen? Amen. All right. Fasting and prayer. I had some more. I'm going to stop right there. Let's stand together. Let's have the worship team come up. <clears throat> Fasting 
and prayer. So we're going to be fasting and praying again for the next, we got two weeks left, and I uh, want to invite you to join us. If you're watching online, I invite you to join us in our 21 days of hunger um, every, every morning. You can take that prayer devotional, and uh, we're going through the book of Luke there, and you can join with the community of faith here. Uh, grab one of those journals on your way out. Sign the board. Let us know on these boards. Come on up before we leave the sanctuary today. Grab one of those markers right on the board what you're believing God for. May, if all you want to say is for my children to, to walk with Jesus, that's fine. For, you know, for unsaved family, that's fine. Whatever you want to just write on there. You don't have to sign your name. It can be anonymous because we're praying for that. We're praying for those needs. We want to back you up in prayer. So write down your, your prayer need there and join us on Wednesday night for Encounter. Everybody say Encounter. Join us on Wednesday nights for Encounter. Listen, you need to, we need to gather together for corporate prayer to worship and praise our God and exalt Him over the attacks of the enemy in our lives, right? And join together in faith that God is going to hear our prayers for this year. Amen? And then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to conclude this, this season with a celebration of praise on uh, January 30th at 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary. If you've never been to a mission church celebration of praise, <laughs> you need to get here. You need to get here on January 30th because it is a powerful time in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we're thankful today, God, for this opportunity uh, in our community of faith to start 2022 with the right heart, with the right spirit, with the right focus, to humble ourselves before God, and to say, Lord, we need your blessing. Lord, we need your protection. Lord, we need your guidance. Come on, lift up a hand to the Lord right now. Lord, we need your guidance. Lord, we need your wisdom. Lord, we need discernment in this year ahead. Lord, we need to know your word in this year ahead. Come on, lift up both hands to the Lord. Lord, I need to know your word, God, this year. I need to be able to fight these battles with the word of God on my lips, yes. the word of God in my heart. I need to know the will of God so I can pray it for my kids and for my marriage and for my career. Father God, hear our prayer today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord God. Lord, we... We, we, we consecrate ourselves to you in these next 14 days that are left, Lord, and we just pray, have your way, God. Come on, say it, church. Have your way, Lord. Speak to my heart, God. Show me, Lord, your will and hear my cry. Hear my cry, God. Hear our cry today, oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, each day of this fast, Lord, there'll be a, a sense of your presence in our homes. At our, our altars of prayer as we open up your word, that your spirit will speak to us out of your word. That truly, Lord, these two weeks, God, will be time of sanctification and consecration for us, Lord God. Of seeking your face and hearing you, Lord God. We thank you for what you're going to do in this fast. And Lord, in this year, that this year is going to be a breakthrough year. It's going to be a turnaround year. Hallelujah. It's going to be a year of salvation where the prodigals come home to their faith yes, in the name of in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. Let's give the Lord a thanks. Thank you, Lord. 
Amen. We're going to dismiss the service. If you need to go and get your kids, you can do that. But Pastor Chris is going to lead us in some worship. I want to encourage you, if you can linger, just to linger. We're going to open the altars. You can come up and find a place to just seek God. If you've been in this fast or you're starting this fast, come and just kneel and just say, Lord, hear my prayer. Get a marker. Write your prayer request down on the prayer boards here so that we can stand with you in prayer. God bless you. Let's, let's seek the Lord over these next two weeks. Amen? Amen. Amen.